As moms, we often wonder, am I doing enough for my kids? I'm here to tell you, you are super mama. That's because we have an undeniable superpower, our intuition, and it never steers us wrong. I call it our mom sense. Hi, I'm Kanika Chadda Gupta, and I'm the host of That's Total Mom Sense. I'm a journalist, entrepreneur, wife, and mom of three, twins plus one. Now, if I had a dollar every time I heard, gee, you have your hands full. On my podcast, I interview influential moms from various industries and cover topics that all first-time parents grapple with, from getting your baby to sleep to screen time allowance, your new normal in your marriage, and how to dedicate time to yourself. Learn and laugh along with that total mom sense. Did you know that according to the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry, AAPD, your baby is due for his first dentist visit when he turns one or six months after his first tooth erupts? Don't worry if you haven't booked that appointment yet. This episode will help answer any questions you have regarding your children's dental health from baby to teenager. I am joined by pediatric dentist Deep Shaw also known as the superhero dentist, to discuss the most common dental problems in children, which include teething, cavities, tooth sensitivity, dental emergencies like a chipped tooth or broken tooth, gingivitis, excessive thumb sucking, or the use of pacifiers, and orthodontic problems. Don't we want to know all those answers? We're going to discuss home care like the best toothbrushes, toothpaste, and floss too. Dr. Deep Shah, a board-certified pediatric dentist, considers his role as a healthcare clinician for children to be a genuine privilege and blessing and believes that a customized oral health plan for each child is essential to the child's overall well-being and continued growth and development. Upon earning his bachelor's degree in biological sciences and minor in business administration from Drexel University, Dr. Shah pursued his dental education at the University of Pennsylvania School of Dental Medicine. Dr. Shah further trained at the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh, where he acquired extensive experience in the areas of growth and development, pediatric oral pathology, special healthcare needs, dental trauma, pharmacological modalities, and behavior modification management. He believes working with other pediatric specialists and utilizing an interdisciplinary approach is integral to the successful management of each patient. From his early days, Dr. Shaw always had a passion for dancing and has competitively danced throughout the country. Although he no longer competes, Dr. Shaw continues to enjoy choreographing dance routines and teaching classes. So don't be surprised if you see this dancing dentist moving and grooving his way throughout the clinic, wearing one of his multiple superhero masks. Dr. Shaw, thank you so much for joining me on That's Total Mom Sense. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, sure thing. So tell us, did you always know you wanted to practice pediatric dentistry? I did not, actually. So I grew up knowing that I wanted to go in the healthcare field. I wasn't sure if it'd be pediatrics. When I was in dental school, I loved the surgery aspect of things. So I was actually leaning more towards like oral surgery. But it wasn't until I was in my clinical rotations in the pediatric department where I really kind of realized that, hey, you know, this is the best way for me to optimize my exposure with kids and treat kids. I knew that working with kids was something I wanted to do. I really didn't think that going in the pediatric dentistry route, so to speak, would allow me to achieve that. 
Yes. Okay. Makes sense. But you always knew dentistry was your thing. I initially, when I was, as I grew up, I was thinking like neurosurgery. I have no idea why. I think I was just very, (laughs) I think I was just like one of those kids growing up and perplexed by the brain and how we use it. And then as I got older, I think I just got more realistic and realized, hey, my views changed. I guess kind of my likings changed. I, I also enjoyed, started enjoying dentistry because I'm ambidextrous and I loved using my hands. Mm. And so I think, I think that kind of really got me into dentistry after I shadowed a couple of different dentists. And that's, I think, where I realized that, hey, like as much as I still love medicine and keep up with it, that dentistry, I think, was the right choice for me. Yes. So cool. How did you come up with the concept of being the superhero dentist? Yeah. So for me, I guess it's almost like a little personal story. I had ALL, which is like acute lymphoblastic leukemia as a child. So I was diagnosed at the age of two. I've been in remission since the age of five. So it's been 28 years, knock on wood, everything's mm-hmm. been okay. But I remember when I used to go kind of to the oncology department at the hospital as a child, there'd be a bunch of us, there'd be a lot of kids and we'd all be in this like one playroom. And in this playroom, they'd have a TV. And of course on TV, it's like the late 1990s. So you got Captain Planet, you know, Batman, Superman, the Hulk, all these cartoons that, that are being played on the screen. And as I got older and I went from being, you know, six, seven, eight to my early teens, I would look at the faces of these kids in that room, especially the ones that were watching these superheroes. And, and that face was priceless. As you get older, I think you think about, you know, why these kids were in awe. And I think it's just the natural characteristic of superheroes, their resiliency, their courage, their perseverance, their strength. But at the same time, I feel like these superheroes, they all have their own struggles that they overcome. Yeah, when I fast forward to now, kind of like where I am and what I do, I've come to the understanding that what I do and what my job entails comes with you know serious responsibility. And the biggest thing for me is, is trust with the children that I work with. It's all about laying a foundation in terms of like oral health for the kids that I'm blessed to see and work with. And they look up to me, or matter of fact, I think they look up to any adult as a superhero. Yeah. And I look at it as a, it's my job to protect that innocence, but also to help bring out the superhero within them. To me, I look at kids and they're, like, they're, they're a blank canvas. And so mm-hmm. what you say, and more importantly, how you interact with them helps to create like a beautiful and unique work of art, which is ultimately they themselves. Some of them are afraid. Some of them, you know, have never been to the dentist before. Some of them are doing their first appointment. You know, those are their own struggles as a patient. And my goal is to use their superhero abilities, their resiliency, their courage, their perseverance, uh, and help to transform them into the kids that they are and eventually the adults that they'll become. Wow. That is incredible. Tell us about the vibe at your practice, because, you know, if you go onto your um, Instagram feed, the capes and the masks and like (laughs) all the costumes that um, kids can wear and you're wearing. And I think that's just super cool. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. And I love wearing the superhero mask. I'll even throw on tiaras for for the girls and, you know, Anna Elsa wigs, like, you know, just to make them (laughs) make anything in essence, anything to make the child feel comfortable or just even make them laugh. Because at the end of, end of the day, it's all about having fun. And if you can spread the smiles, it, it's very contagious. And so that's kind of like the vibe and the goal. In terms of the practice, I try to go for an individualized approach. And the goal here is to help empower kids to make gradual steps. So the one thing that I like to incorporate into my practice is like conscious parenting. It's something that I do on the home end with my own kids. And I like mm-hmm. to take that into the practice as well. So my goal at the end of the day is not about like the short-term outcomes, it's more the long-term outcomes. So if there's a child who's crying, my goal isn't to tell them, hey, like you're toughen up, like you're you're gonna get through it. It's to 
make a small, take baby steps. And it might just be, Hey, today, I just want you to hold a mirror and put it in your mouth. And that's it. When you come in next time, we're going to take it a step further. And at the end of the day, like there's so many, I feel like if you talk to a lot of adults, one of the biggest things they fear and they traumatize is the dentist. And so my goal is just to change the entire realm of pediatric dentistry so that as children become adults, they're not in the same shoes that their parents are right now, so to speak. Okay. Yes. That makes so much sense. There's another kind of tactic that you've shared um, through your videos and feed. There's certain verbiage you should use to help empower your child because yes, the dentist can be daunting, but instead of saying be strong or it won't hurt, you actually recommend something else. So tell us about that. It's kind of like honesty. And in a way I'm, I'm always honest with the kids, but if I know that, Hey, if I have to give a child a shot, I, and, and they're, they're very afraid of that. I'm not going to tell them, Hey, I'm going to give you a shot. Cause I know that's going to uh, increase any type of distress that they have. So what I usually tell parents is there, there's a couple of ways to handle, handle their child in terms of helping to decrease the distress. So things that you want to do, sometimes I'll use distraction. You can do low rates of ignoring or like information, information giving. So sometimes like I always say less is more also coaching, but the biggest thing here is that every child is different. So even among siblings, you'll have some that do better with less information and then others who like the transparency. So I just tell them that, hey, if you're going to be transparent with your child, just make sure that your reassurance is, is realistic in, in nature. And so mm -hmm. I say like, things that you don't want to do, for example, like unrealistic insurance. So for example, it'll be okay. Or like hugging your child. Sometimes, you know, apology saying, I'm so sorry that hurt. Empathetic statements saying, oh, I know that really hurt or giving the child full control. And then sometimes the biggest thing that I see a lot more of is criticism. So sometimes parents saying, oh, come on, toughen up, like, you know, be a big boy, be a big girl. Mm. Uh, and at the end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, I think it's, it's just, it's find the right, the right support for your child to help them cope. And so it's one of those topics that's a little sticky because every child is different. But my whole goal is I like to say, hey, like, thanks for being such a great helper. Uh, instead yes. of saying, oh, you're such a, you're such a big boy. You're such a big girl. I don't like to label them as a big boy because if they don't help, does that make them not a big boy? Like they're still right. a big boy, right. but I want to say, Hey, like, thanks. Thanks so much for being a great helper. Or, Hey, I really like, like the way that you open wide for that part. And it's almost like positive reinforcement in a non-derogatory way or not trying to imply anything if they don't do it. Yes. Yeah. That's so enlightening. I love that you shared that. Now let's start from the very beginning. How do teeth form? Yeah, so teeth actually start forming around six weeks in utero. And then the next thing you'll see is kind of the hard tissue that surrounds a tooth, which is called the enamel. That forms around three to four months of gestation. Mm -hmm. uh, and then lastly, uh, what you'll see is you'll see the tooth start to erupt in the mouth as the uh, child is born. You know, they're in their early toddler, toddler life. Now, how many teeth do we have as kids versus in our adult life? In kids, you have a total of 20 teeth. So you have eight incisors. So you have four, the front four and the bottom four, which make up the eight. You have your four canines, which I call them like the eye teeth or the vampire teeth. Mm -hmm. And then you have your, you have eight molars. So four on the top, you know, two back on each side, and then same thing on the bottom. So a total of eight. So that adds up to 20 there. Adults, the maximum you can actually have is 32. Pending there's no abnormalities, you had extra teeth. Uh, majority of us, however, have our wisdom teeth removed. And so the new normal has kind of become 28. But if it's all said and done, technically you can have 32. So once again, you have your eight incisors, you have your four canines. Now you get something called your baby molars turn into bicuspids. 
So he had, instead of eight baby molars, you get eight bicuspids and then you end up with 12 molars. You have your six-year molar, your 12-year molar, and then your wisdom teeth. Um, and then you have three in each quadrant. So six on each side, and then you take into the other side. So that's a total of 12. So it all adds up to 32 if you were to have all of them fit in your mouth. Okay. Wow. Now it's because as we grow and develop, you know, the shape of our mouth widens and that's what accommodates for more teeth over time, right? That is correct. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. So then the milk teeth or baby teeth, you you only have 20 and then, you know, you kind of graduate to 32. Correct. Yep. You get more jaw. So as you get older, your, your lower jaw is actually the last thing that stops growing in, in female and in males. And so as that grows and you get, you know, that, that lower jaw grows down and forward, you're create, creating more space. And so the, a fun fact is that your adult molars are the only teeth that come in without the loss of a baby tooth. Um, oh. All the other 20 baby teeth get replaced, but your six-year molar that comes in, your 12-year molar and your wisdom teeth, um, those molars are the only teeth that don't replace a baby tooth. Yeah, cool. Are we predisposed to have overbites or underbites? Great question. Sometimes, like, I think cultural and like you know racial or ethnic predispositions will, will certainly play a role in that. So you, you absolutely can be predisposed to having an overbite or an underbite. Asians or Asian Americans will have an underbite, or, or like they call it almost like the bulldog bite when you're growing you have a little bit of like mid-face hypoplasia. So all that means is that your upper jaw isn't growing at the rate of your lower jaw. And as a result, you kind of get an underbite. So mm. different ethnicities will present with their own subtle variations of it. And in early in life, it's not a big deal just because you have so much growth and development you know, ahead of you. So the biggest thing here is obviously keeping an eye and monitoring monitoring those things. And then I'm sure that your your child's provider is also going to keep it, you know, keep a close tab of, of that as well. That way you need to, they can intervene um, when need be. Okay. That makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. so our teeth actually aid in our ability for speech, right? They do. They play a super important role in speech and also phonetics. There's certain syllables and certain phonetics, for example, your F and your V's. So if you say fire or farm or velvet, violet, you'll notice that your upper teeth contact your lower lips. Yes. So if you don't have your upper teeth, um, you ha- you may have a difficult time saying some of those F's and V's. Yeah. Now, right? And so now the other thing is that your tongue plays a very important role too mm-hmm. uh, in, in terms of how your tongue contacts your teeth as well. So some of these uh, syllables include like your TH sounds. So thunder, uh, the, where you have to have your tongue touch your upper teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have your L's, your Z's, and your S's. So if you say lion, lucky, zoo, zipper, sister, smile, you'll notice that your tongue plays a very important part and kind of moves around into certain spots in order to really dictate and bring clarity to those words. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. So cool. Um, Now this brings me to a question on tongue ties. And I think, you know, we're starting from the very beginning here. So, you know, when you have infants, that's something that, you know, many parents look out for, especially if you have a pediatrician who's knowledgeable about this or a lactation consultant kind of assess whether your baby has one or not. And tongue ties can, you know, impact or impede upon speech when a child's older. So tell us about your experience with with that. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I would say, you know, I, I see a lot of infants in clinic. Um, and generally I have to, you know, I always tell parents to wait at least 10 days to give the newborn time to regain, you know, his or her birth weight. So usually after mm-hmm. 10 days, you know, they'll see their PCP, like you mentioned, or they have, you know, have a, a board certified lactation consultant on board. And in the event, the child is still having a hard time, or they notice that, Hey, there is some sort of impediment in the tongue, which is impeding the child from either breastfeeding or bottle feeding, then they'll see us. And so what what I do from a clinical standpoint, I kind of have a chronological order that I follow. So the first thing I'll do is I'll ask mom about the experience that she's feeling. So a lot of Mm. these mothers are going to have either, you know, if they're breastfeeding, you're going to get the raw emotions from them, crack, uh, you know, crack nipples, bleeding nipples. They don't latch. You got to like, yeah. And, and, and and it's just that mom guilt as well, that they'll say that, Hey, I don't know what I'm doing. And I tell them right then and there, it's not their fault. And so that's the first thing is just to help them help reassure them that, Hey, listen, there's something going on here. It's not your fault. We need to correct this. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing I'll do is I'll ask them about signs that they've noticed or observed in their child. So is their child very, like when they're suckling, are they going and making ah, that clicking noise? Okay. That tells me if they're kind of have that clicking, that there's a little bit of aerophasia. And all that means is that they're taking in air along with the milk. And if you take in air, it kind of bloats your stomach. So they get this false sense of being full. Okay. And as a result, the baby stops feeding, but they're constantly hungry around the clock yes, because that yes. air, you know, it's kind of dissipates and it kind of gives them that false feeling of satiety. And right. so they'll also notice that, Hey, the baby's drooling, the baby's cranky or fussy throughout the time, throughout the night. So these are all things that they'll notice in their, in their child. Right. Then I move on to a clinical exam. And so in the clinical exam, I'll kind of swipe my finger underneath the baby's tongue to see if there's any type of roadblock. And if I feel like, hey, there is a little bit of a, a lingual frenum that I can feel on the bottom tongue, then that kind of tells me, hey, there may be something going on along with, you know, all the other signs and symptoms that mm-hmm. have been presented. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I look at the upper, upper frenum too. So right. we all have two ties. The baby has two ties. One's on the lower aspect of the tongue called the lingual mm-hmm. frenum. The other mm-hmm. one's a lip tie, also known as the labial frenum. I'll look for both of those. And the last thing I'll do is if a mom is comfortable, they'll usually breastfeed. If they're okay, they'll, I'll, they'll show me how they breastfeed. And that is sometimes, you know, seeing is believing because I'm able to really visualize how the, yes. how the child's lips are resting on the mom's breast. So if you take your hands and you kind of make a C shape with your mm-hmm. hands, Yep. Now, if you just open the C a little bit bigger, so it almost looks like a modified U, almost a V, mm-hmm. that's kind of how you want the child to be latched on. You don't right. want them to be a perfect C with that lip curling in. And right. so those are signs that, that I look for. This is an elective surgery to remove a tongue tie or a phrenectomy. So what does that surgery entail? So the surgery of the phrenectomy, what that involves is I actually like to use a laser. If it's a lower tongue tie, is lifting the tongue up. And then using the laser just to remove a very superficial layer of kind of that string. It almost looks like a string. And when I pull that tongue up, there's tension because that that string is connected from the base of the tongue to the floor of the mouth. And so I'll see a little white part where the tension is. And I go right to that area and I just kind of cauterize it with my laser till that, that string is no longer persistent. And that way the child now has a tongue that can you know, have a full range of motion. Mm -hmm. On the upper, in the event you have to do an upper, which is a lot more rare than the lowers, I'm kind of doing the same thing where I kind of pull the upper lip out and I do see blanching if they have a very strong frenum. It's kind of the same thing. I kind of release the upper frenum there. And then when I pull that upper lip out, there's no more tautness to the upper lip and their upper lip no longer curls or invaginates inward. And so those are, you know, those are the the signs of relief that you're going to get. Okay. 
Let's talk about pacifiers. I think pacifiers are okay as long as what you have to keep in mind here is that you want this to be avoided to becoming becoming a long term habit. So initially in the early stages, pacifiers are great for soothing, and the, one of the biggest things also help with is SIDS, which is sudden infant death syndrome. And mm-hmm. so they, they play a vital role in a child's well-being and safety. Now, what we're worried about or what, what we want to avoid here, like I mentioned, is the long-term habits, whether it's pacifier use or even thumb sucking. When you are using a pacifier or your child's using the thumb for a prolonged period of time, what they're doing is they're applying unfavorable, unfavorable forces to the upper teeth and the roof of the mouth, and that can affect the development of the teeth and the bones. And a lot of the times, your child can even get something called an open bite. So when you bite down on your teeth, we all have something called an an overbite. So an overbite is very normal. It's just a relationship of how much of your upper teeth cover your bottom teeth. In children who have prolonged digit use with their thumb or, you know, prolonged habit use with a pacifier, they end up getting an open bite where there is actually, you can actually slide like a piece of paper or a credit card, for example, in between the teeth uh, because there's a gap and the upper teeth don't coincide properly with the bottom teeth. I always tell parents, you want to try and break the habit by the age of three. Mm-hmm. Three is a good year to break the habit for many reasons. A lot of times in, in the development of a child, that's usually kind of where they're their cognitive ability and their, you know, is a little bit more developed and they're able to reason with you. And so, you know, studies show that three, because of the brain function and because of their brain growth, that age group is ready and they can understand basic concepts and you're able to relate to them a little bit more. So in terms of the pacifier, there's a great product out there called Frida Baby Passy Weaning System. And in essence, it's a five-step binky weaning system where Mm -hmm. kind of the nook on the pacifier gets shortened each day. And I'm not talking about it gets cut off. It still has like a nice rounded nook, but it gets shorter and shorter each day. So by the fifth, the fifth day, your child's like, I can't keep this in my mouth. And it's more frustrating to keep it in my mouth. And, you know, then it requires a lot more work. And so the goal here is usually by that fifth day, um, they're off, they're off the pacifier. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. Which is really neat. So yeah, it's called uh, Frida baby passy weaning system. Okay. And in regards to thumb sucking, uh, there's two options I recommend. One's called the tea guard. It's almost like a plastic cone or like a silicone cone that goes around the thumb and it straps around the child's wrist. So your child can still put their thumb in their mouth. However, you don't get the deleterious effects of kind of the imprint of the thumb resting on the roof of the mouth. If you look at your thumb, it's got this perfect dome shape to it. And that perfect dome shape fits perfectly to the roof of your mouth can cause like a high vault palate and, you know, these malformations that we're talking about. That's one aspect. The other thing that what I've used with my boys is something called the nip it. It's an mm. elbow brace. So okay. you're able to flex the elbow. You just can't take that elbow past 90 degrees into the mouth. I, I think that's brilliant. I saw that and I was like, wow, what an invention. Because I mean, they're kids, they can't take the brace off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, exactly. Then, um, and then they're just stuck. They're like, what's going on? I can't reach. It's just a really smart fix. Now let's talk about teething. Yeah, so teething can start as early as four to six months. The eruption of like the, the lower teeth, they're generally the first teeth that come in are those lower central incisors. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll be anywhere from four to six months as the, uh, in terms of onset. And it can last all the way up to actually two and a half to three years uh, with the eruption of those, they call them the two-year molars. So it's okay. quite a wide range. Yeah, it's true. Um, with my son, you know, we were not concerned, but just kind of surprised that like he was getting his teeth a lot later. He just, you know, had this like 
toothless grin forever. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, that, you know, our uh, dentist and pediatrician said it's totally normal. So yeah, that's very good to know. And teeth do come in twos. That's another curious point. You'll never erupt one tooth at a time, right? Yeah. Sometimes like they're, they're generally not that far behind. If you get one that comes in, the other one's not that far behind, but generally mm-hmm. in order to follow like a pattern of symmetry, uh, right. it's just really neat kind of how, you know, how amazing the, front the body two. is. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the, the pattern, the symmetry that generally speaks. Yeah. You get the front two, then the top two, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the laterals and it kind of works its way, but yeah, they generally like to come in pairs. Yeah. Um, and the one thing I always tell parents, like you said, like if your child gets their teeth, let's say the first two doesn't come, does not come until a year. Don't be alarmed. You know, they're going to come with their own growth pattern. They're following mm-hmm. their own growth curve. I always tell parents that if your child gets their baby teeth in late, expect them to hold on to those teeth for a little bit longer as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Very good to know. Could you describe the sensation a child feels when their teeth are actually erupting? Yeah. So it varies. I would say some babies are not even bothered by teething while many of them do have the common symptoms, common symptoms. Um, so mm-hmm. those common symptoms, which, you know, which I guess you're alluding to in, in terms of what they feel, you can get a lot of drooling or dribbling, increased mm-hmm. chewing. So they kind of feel like they just want to chomp on something just to help alleviate that pressure that's building inside. Yep. You'll get frequent mood changes, irritability or crankiness is very, very common. Uh, and then the biggest thing is if you look in their mouth, you'll notice there's a little bit of cortical swelling. So their gums are going to be swollen because the bone's expanding. In terms of, you know, nighttime, you're going to see crying. They're going to be, mm-hmm. there's a lot of sleeplessness, restlessness, sleep at night. And then obviously sometimes you get a, a mild fever. Um, mm-hmm. I say a, a true a true fever is generally not associated with teething. So anything um, above 100.4 is not teething related. Um, mm-hmm. But you might get that mild, like, you know, 99 degree, you know, kind of like warmth in terms of temperature that's associated with teething. The right. biggest thing also, um, if you change, like you said, your, your mother changing your father changing your child's diaper, if yep. you notice that the stool has become a little bit softer, don't mm-hmm. be alarmed. Sometimes you might get more of a softer stool and that's just from kids swallowing excess spit or saliva, which oh. gets down to the gut. And as a result, you get a little bit of softer stool or softer bowel movements. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So it's like, um, it looks kind of like a diarrhea, but it's not. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. Now, what are some remedies that you could share with us for teething? Sure. Uh, so the remedies and relief, I feel like they should be developmentally appropriate. So I'll break it down to, I guess, like a couple of different stages. The first one is going to be for babies who cannot hold, or they just haven't developed that pincer grip just yet. So for Mm -hmm. these kids, what you want to do is you want to massage with like a silicone toothbrush. Some brands that I recommend are Nook, Haka, and then Dr. Brown's. Those three have, you know, have that brush that you can use to help massage a child. And the other Mm -hmm. thing you can do is just use your clean finger and just gently rub on their gums to help dissipate kind of uh, the sensation there. Lastly, for this age group, you can also place cold objects on there. So if you get Mm -hmm. a spoon and if you chill it in the refrigerator and then you gently take the back end of the spoon and place it over the gums, that'll help. If your child is using a pacifier, you can take a frozen pacifier, just have it in the fridge for like 15 to 30 minutes, um, and then rub the pacifier tip kind of over the gums gently. And the cold sensation from both of these is going to help to dissipate the heat in your child. And then once your baby can hold objects or they can chew, then what you can move on to are teething toys or teething objects. So they have like a baby banana, they have something called the, the Ruby, uh, they have a Haka ring and a Manhattan toy. These are a couple that I, I recommend. And the best thing with these objects are, is that they're BPA free, they're latex free, 
and they come in various shapes and textures. So it also helps to promote uh, motor sensory development in your child as well. So I like that for the age group that can start to hold and chew objects. And then last but not least, you have your babies that are able to eat solids. And this is where I think it gets a little bit fun and innovative because uh, you can use a food feeder. And in those food feeders, you can put like different frozen fruits or different fro frozen veggies that they can kind of chomp on and have a meshed net. So they're not going to swallow the large piece. One of my favorites is taking puree and making frozen puree popsicles out of them. It's just really fun uh, for kids and they're getting their nutrition in in a, in a fun way. And in a way, once again, that you're having some cold applying to that area that's just so warm because of the because of the fact that they're teething so it helps to dissipate the heat again and then last but not least you can take partially frozen fruits or vegetables one of my favorites on here is like a banana on a stick and then mm. let them kind of uh, chomp and chew on that one of the real quick one of the other um, oldest tricks that work is taking a frozen washcloth rinse them with water kind of wring them out and put them in in the frozen and then let them defrost and then your child can chew on a, a frozen washcloth so what that does is two things Obviously, it's going to help because it's cold. It's going to help dissipate the heat. But the second thing, and I love to use these in the summertime, is that your child is also taking in a little bit of water. So it helps to keep them hydrated. What I would avoid and what I tell parents, because these are questions I get all the time, your, your amber teething necklaces, yeah. um, they can cause a choking or strangulation hazard. So you just want to be mindful of those. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest thing are your oral gels that can contain benzocaine or alcohol. I like homeopathic things with certain aspects, but when it comes to children, you have to be very careful with homeopathic remedies such as uh, belladonna. Belladonna comes from like the, the nightshade plant, but the biggest thing here is that it, it affects and inhibits the nervous system. So your child oh can gosh. end up with like a dry, a dry mouth, they can get enlarged pupils, breathing issues, seizures, and then, you know, the worst case scenario here is coma and death. And so you just want to be very mindful with some of these things to avoid, you know, for that reason. Right. In, in terms of medication, some parents ask about, hey, like Tylenol, you know, Motrin, over-the-counter medications are okay. I, usually Tylenol is, is the go-to, especially for children younger than six months of age. You definitely don't want to give, you know, Motrin to children who are under infants or younger than six months of age. Most important thing is you want to dose by weight. And I can't stress that enough, dose by weight. Mm, yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Great, great advice. Now I just want to dive into some FAQ that I think all parents are wondering about. And the first is, is it bad to put our babies to bed with a bottle of milk? Yeah. So I always tell parents that it, it's highly discouraged to put your child to bed with a bottle at any age, even if no teeth are present yet. So Going to bed with a bottle of milk, formula, or even juice will greatly increase your child's chance of developing early childhood tooth decay. So milk does have sugars, and there's a sugar called lactose in milk. Fruits and juices have something called sucrose. So both lactose and sucrose are fermentable sugars for the bacteria in our mouth, and thus they can cause cavities. So if you're going to you know, give your child plain milk or juice, generally only limit it to mealtime. And that too, in certain amounts. So ideally four to six ounces is kind of your go-to. And other than that, especially at nighttime, it's all about that H2O. Mm, okay. Good to know. So maybe mm -hmm. warm water in a bottle is fine if they're used to just kind of that fixation of getting something to be put to bed with, right? Yes. That's the part of the best thing. Absolutely. Okay. Now do baby teeth really matter because they're just going to fall out? Such a great question. And <laughs> You know, we're just going to take, you know, my, my child has infection. Can we just take the tooth out? And so what I like to tell parents is that baby teeth are extremely important to a child's oral development. 
and they should just not be considered any less important than, you know, the child's permanent or adult teeth that eventually come in. So there are five reasons why I like to stress the importance of baby teeth. The first being they allow for proper chewing and eating. Second, they provide space for the permanent teeth and guide them into the correct position. Third, they help in terms of stimulating normal development of the facial bones and muscles. Fourth, they also help in the development of normal speech, which is what we just talked about. And last but not least, it helps to actually contribute uh, to a child's attractive appearance as well as self-esteem. And we know how, you know, bullying and how, you know, what the take on that has been lately. So self-esteem for a child, I feel, is, is very, very critical and very important as well. Yes, yes, totally. Let's talk diet. What foods yeah. help dental health? The goal here is just to reduce sugar intake. So some of the best foods for healthy teeth are your fresh fruits and veggies because they're high nutritional value and they're added to actually teeth cleaning benefits, which is really neat. And then you also have your calcium rich foods, such as, you know, low fat or fat free milk, your yogurts, your cheese, sometimes fortified soy drinks, there's tofu, canned salmon, and then nourishing nuts. So you're looking at almonds, walnuts, cashews, and then your dark green leafy vegetables. All of these help to promote strong teeth and bones. So sometimes even I always recommend chewing on crunchy foods because that'll also help to get the saliva going. So your mm. nuts are perfect, perfect examples of these, which will really kind of help to not only stimulate salivary flow, but they also help to strengthen your jawbone because you're chewing on something. And all of these foods, along with water, which is, you know, the main beverage, so to speak, they help to wash away plaque causing bacteria and food particles. Okay. Now, what if a child doesn't like drinking milk or water? make it a fun activity. So try to implement a reward system. So if they have water, they get a sticker and then, you know, so many stickers adds up to a small prize. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one way of in incentivizing your child. The other thing is make it a family fun activity. So every time you drink water, your child drinks water. Every time your child wants a sip of water, you drink water. And so you guys can keep track of this and make it just a, a very family filled and family fun activity. I always tell parents at the end of the day, the goal is to transition to plain water long-term. So if, if, if I personally had to choose a healthy alternative to make that transition smoother, because I know that sometimes it's just very hard to, you know, go to water, plain water, cold turkey. One of my favorite options is a naturally fruit infused water. So I personally love like berries and melons mixed with like fresh mint or ginger. It's all natural. It's got a great taste. It's just, it, it's crisp and refreshing, especially in summer. Then you can also have co coconut water. I, the biggest thing here, mm -hmm. I, I like to go for an organic brand because those are the ones that generally have no added sugar. And then in the event you are okay with natural flavors, there is something out there called Hint Water. Mm -hmm. um, and it's definitely something worthy of checking out, like I said, as long as you're okay with artificial uh, flavors. But at the end of the day, like I said, these are all intermediate steps because there's nothing better than plain water for your overall health and overall well-being. Yes, yes. How do cavities form? Yeah, so cavities, there is uh, a basic formula that I'll just share, and it's sugar plus bacteria equals acid. And it's that acid that starts to eat away at the teeth and cause cavities. So your sugar can come from carbohydrates. It can come from sweets. The bacteria in your mouth is always present there. So you have different, uh, different variations of bacteria, the good bacteria and the bad bacteria. It's mainly these quote unquote bad bacteria that harp on these sugars. And when they combine with each other, they produce this acid, lactic acid. And that's kind of what slowly works its way in terms of causing holes in your teeth. Cool. And the only way to remove a cavity is a root canal. If the cavity is very large or it's causing pain or like into the nerve or very close to the nerve, in, in those cases, you're, it may warrant a root canal or sometimes we do a pulpotomy, which is a baby root canal 
where you don't mm-hmm. take away the entire nerve. But generally, if a cavity is small, then you can do a simple, a simple white filling. And that's kind of more the aesthetic, you know, are there, there are still our silver fillings, you know, out there, but I think those are becoming a lot more outdated um, mm-hmm. with, with technology and with, you know, with aesthetics, you can fill a tooth without having to, you know, get to the extent of being a root canal. Yes. Okay. Very good to know. Tell mm-hmm. us about tooth trauma and discoloration, because especially with kids, you know, they're rambunctious and um, <laughs> can very easily chip a tooth um, or break a tooth. So what should we know about when it comes to that? The 30% of kids under the age of seven actually suffer trauma to the front teeth. Like in this case, like you mentioned, they most likely bumped or injured the tooth while playing, falling, or like you know, sustaining some sort of blow to the area. So generally what happens is usually about 10 to 14 days after you know, your child gets hit in the mouth, the tooth may start kind of start to turn a little grayish on them. And this discoloration happens just because you've severed the blood supply. And so heme, which is kind of the iron component in the blood, kind of gets trapped. And as a result, it starts becoming more prominent. And so the tooth turns gray. And over time, depending on the trauma, it can lighten and that baby tooth can lighten. But if the impact was a little bit severe, it might just stay gray or it could abscess on you, in which case you may have to remove the tooth. So it just kind of, uh, it's kind of a multivariable sort of thing, depending on how the trauma occurred and how great the force was. But the goal here, once again, is if everything looks okay, your child's able to eat and drink and function, then we want to keep that tooth in there as a functional tooth as long as possible. The only downside you may get is a little bit of, of an aesthetic concern in the fact that it's not going to look as white as the adjacent tooth. Yeah. Okay. What cases have you worked on that were, you know, especially challenging or interesting um, when it comes to dental surgery? There are couples. So I think I've had a, a two-week-old that needed a tongue tie. I really enjoy those cases just because of the instant relief that the child gets mm-hmm. and, and the mother gets. Yeah. I mean, I think those are just some of the most rewarding cases. So that, that's definitely a, one of the ones on the top of my list. I've done a few exposure cases with an orthodontist. And so that's kind of where the interdisciplinary approach comes in. And so we'll have, if a tooth is stuck and can't come in, I've used the laser to help expose the tooth. So the orthodontist is able to put a chain on it and drag it, drag that tooth, so to speak, into the arch. I actually have a couple cases coming up, which I'm actually interested, very interested to see how they go. There's a root canal on an, a 12-year-old male who we're going to be seeing who severe severe trauma. So his tooth actually split kind of horizontally inside the bone. And the goal is going to be to try and save at least the upper portion of the tooth with the root canal, you know, and at least buy him as much longevity as possible. And then one of the other ones I'm doing in academia, because I'm also in academia, we are doing an auto-transplantation case where we're taking one of the premolars, um, which is the, the posterior tooth, and we're actually going to transplant it on the one of the upper front teeth because that child is missing one of their upper front teeth. So we're actually going to take one tooth out, keep the stem cells on the root of that posterior tooth as viable as possible, and then re-implant that tooth in the front. And you have some trade secrets up your sleeve on how parents can administer medication to their child. So tell us about those. Yeah. So in terms of taking medication at home, the one thing I like to do, it's called a modified grip technique, is which is the way I like to hold the syringe in my hand. So instead of holding a syringe the conventional way where your thumb is on the top, if you can almost picture it, and then the syringe is between your pointer finger and then your index finger. I like to hold it as if I'm trying to like, I'm grabbing something. So I have the syringe laying flat on my palm and Mm -hmm. my thumb is at the plunger. 
And it gives me a much better control in terms of administering the medication. Sometimes you'll find that the last like CC or two CCs is the hardest part. And if you push and you get a little bit of resistance, you can squirt that in too fast and your child might have a little bit of a coughing episode and can kind of get yeah. a little bit of a spasm in the back of their throat, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So in order to avoid yeah. that, this I found this to really be helpful. And the other thing I always tell parents is never aim down the middle because you're going to increase that likelihood of your child having a spasm. So take your syringe, always aim for the cheek and let it almost dribble down into the back of the mouth that way. All right. So let's talk home care. What toothbrushes do you recommend for, you know, age one on up? Yeah. So I would say that I break it up into like one to three and then three and older. If Mm -hmm. the child falls into that first category, I like a a simple manual toothbrush. It's effective. I prefer a soft head brush to help prevent injury to the gums and to the teeth. And mm-hmm. so the soft bristle brushes are great for that first age group. I think they do a very efficacious job in terms of cleaning. And the biggest thing is ch- children at that age love to hold on to their own brush. Like I said, they're developing those, <laughs> you know, sensory and motor skills. So yeah. in the event they're holding their brush and they fall, you know, you're going to minimize chance of them having an, a, um, a trauma incident, whether mm-hmm. to their teeth or to like their, to their mouth, if in the event they were to have a spin brush. So, which is why I like to say a spin brush for children three plus at that point, the, their motor control is a lot better. Chance of injury is a little bit less. You still want to make sure you're, you're, you know, guiding them and you're next to them. I'm okay with a child brushing their his or her own teeth, just making sure as a parent you go in after them. So a little bit of autonomy is great, helps them become independent, but then make sure you just go in there and give them that final scrub. So yes. one to three manual, three and older, electric is totally fine. Do you have any brand names of choice for you for the electric ones? No, in terms of kids, what I tell parents is like, get anything that's like 10 or $15 over the counter at Target. You can pop a battery in. And then the only thing you're going to have to do is every couple of months just change a battery. I would not spend $150 on those Sonicare or Oral-B for your child. Sure, they're great. And they have that UV technology, which kills the bacteria and things of that nature. So if you're an adult and that's something that's important to you, that's totally fine. But we're looking in terms of efficacy, the ones that like a SpongeBob or a princess, you know, the frozen ones totally fine in terms of getting the job done. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. You know, how do we effectively brush our kids' teeth and even our teeth? Because I know that actually brushing side to side is wrong and you should actually try to do more of a rotating motion on each tooth. You got it. Yeah. Um, it's called the best. What you just said uh, is you describe something called the best technique. Mm-hmm. And what that pretty much states is that you kind of want to hold the brush at a 45 degree angle and you want to go in a circular motion. And if whether it's a manual brush or a spin brush, the spin brush is just going to do the work for you. But you want to angle that up a little bit. So you're kind of really cleansing your gums and kind of go around your teeth at a 45 degree angle. Now, when you get to the biting surfaces of your teeth in the back, those you can go straight across on, on the biting surface of your teeth. But when you're looking at kind of the side of the tooth, that's where you want to implement that 45 degree angle. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. What toothpaste do you recommend and why? In terms of toothpaste, I'm someone who's more all natural. So if I had to give my input on this, my top five in no particular order would be Risewell, uh, Hello Toddler, Dr. Brown's, there's one called Jack and Jill, which is what my, my kids use. They just love that blueberry flavor that they have. And then Baby Gannix. Those are the ones, like I said, the five common ones that you know I've tried out, per se, that I recommend. There's other ones out there like Coral, Boca Ella, Dr. Bronner, 
and then Jason. So there, there's a bunch out there, but but the key here is that these are all natural. And now the next question, I guess, I'm, I guess, is what do you mean by all natural? What do I mean by all natural? A lot of your conventional toothpaste out there, you want to read the ingredients, and I'm big on just like you're eating, you know, we're very cognizant with what we eat and what we put into our bodies. I tell parents, it's also very important to understand what you're putting in your mouth in terms of toothpaste and, and their ingredients. So things you want to avoid are SLS, which stands for sodium lyryl sulfate, carrageenan, your triclosans, propylene glycol, artificial colors, artificial sweeteners, parabens. And then in kids, I say, try and avoid fluoride. I'm not anti-fluoride, but until your child knows how to spit, avoid fluoride just for the possibility of them ingesting too much for toxicity reasons. You inspired me to make this episode a two-part series. So I will be interviewing the founder of RiseWell, Corey Estrada, and we'll be following up this episode with her uh, interview. And I know it's going to be very enlightening because we're going to get into more of the specifics about the ingredient that she uses or their company, her company uses hydroxyapatite. Yeah. HA instead of all of the other almost toxic ingredients that you mentioned. Yeah, I think they also have something called xylitol, which is great. A lot of people haven't heard of xylitol, but it, it's an artificial sweetener. Say xylitol and fluoride work great in a one-two punch. There's actually one more product out there called TheraBreath, which is actually one that has fluoride and it's all organic, including xylitol. The way fluoride works is it acts like a, a brick barrier. So it just doesn't allow the cavities to penetrate the tooth. And then you have your HA, like you mentioned, the hydroxyapatite, which helps to keep the tooth nice and strong. Your xylitol, since it's an alcohol sugar and it's sweet, the bacteria are like, wow, this tastes phenomenal. So they're mm-hmm. going to eat it. Here's the downside for the bacteria. They can't digest it. So they rupture and then you're physically actually killing off and decreasing the number of bacteria with xylitol. Yes. Yes. And who knew? Because, you know, we have all been like subjugated to marketing propaganda really by, um, (laughs) by toothpaste brands. And, you know, I don't want to mention, but we all know most of them start with C and it's like, (laughs) so (laughs) all of those brands out there that we've grown up on are actually, you know, riddled with these ingredients and they're not good for you. Should we teach our kids to floss and is there a dental floss brand um, or product that makes it easier? Yeah. So I, I, flossing is great. I like to implement flossing as young as possible. Now, when they're very young, you can use those floss picks. They have a handle mm-hmm. on them and they can go in between the teeth. Those are very, very simple and easy. As your child you know, gets older, Risewell also has, makes, they make a very amazing dental floss that has hydroxyapatite built into their floss, yeah. which is another reason why I, like I said, I love their product. <laughs> it's non-disclosure. I'm not getting paid to say any of this stuff, but I just, like I said, I try a lot of products. Um, read into them and kind of what they do with their floss is very different and unique. So as your child gets older and just to help to keep their enamel mineralized, I would definitely look for something that has HA that can actually help to strengthen the enamel while they floss. Yes. And then that's actually a natural whitening agent, you know, because your teeth are getting stronger and it's like literally adding enamel to enamel. How often should dentist visits be? Uh, after that first appointment? Yeah. So we like to see a child uh, twice a year. So uh, 
every six months for the routine cleaning. That first appointment, which is why we, I, I like to call it the rule of one. I think you alluded to this earlier, is that you want to have your child see the dentist by the age of one, the first tooth or by the age of one, whichever comes first. Mm. And the two biggest, the two biggest reasons here are A, to establish a dental home. So a place, you know, that gets your child familiar with, you know, what we're going to be doing. It allows us to brush their teeth, apply some vitamins on their teeth as well. And then the second, which is more geared for their parents, is something called anticipatory guidance. And that is just a slew of information from teething to dieting to eruption of what to expect in terms of the teeth that are going to come in. It's a great way for us to just educate the parents in terms of what to expect in terms of their child's growth and development. Okay. Now, I want to just kind of delve into your journey as a father. Um, So you have two sons. Tell us about your wife and your kids. Absolutely. Yeah, I um, I have two amazing boys and a lovely, lovely wife. My wife is a pharmacist and she works in a behavioral health hospital. So her main focus is kind of outside the conventional realm of pharmacy. Even though she is a pharmacist, it's a lot of mental health. And that's kind of been her passion. And one day, hopefully opening up her own clinic, which deals with mental health issues, especially in postpartum women. Okay. Uh, and in terms of uh, my boys, our oldest is Aryan. He is just a character. He, he's got these two dimples. And when he smiles, it just lights up the room. Aww. And so um, it, it, he's just, like I said, a bundle of joy. Being the oldest, just kind of watching him take on that big brother role with his with his youngest brother has just been a kind of an amazing thing to watch. And especially, like I said, during this whole COVID time, when you have time off, I'm really blessed just to be able to spend a lot of time with them and just sit back and kind of have the popcorn ready and just watch the show because it's been beautiful to see. Uh, And our youngest, Rian, who's just over one, he's definitely got these recessive genes in terms of his eyes. He's got these like bluish green eyes, light brown hair, and just does not stop smiling as well. Given his age, him walking, him talking, it's just kind of remarkable, obviously being the youngest, He's kind of picking up on things a lot quicker, especially having Ari in there with them. So, I mean, just watching them two grow has been amazing. And then we have a dog whose name's Burfy. And mm-hmm. Burfy in, like, in, in, in Hindi means like white chocolate. And yeah. so he is a golden doodle. He's four years old. We actually we call him our fur baby because he's actually the first first family <laughs> member we had. And it, it's been incredible. My wife does feel outnumbered at times because we've got, you know, four men in the house and uh, she's a lone ranger. Um, <laughs> but uh, she's very well protected. So she can't argue. <laughs> yes, I love that. Oh, that's <laughs> sweet. That's so sweet. Um, now, can you tell us about a dad sense moment that you've experienced? I, I would have to say it was when Arian, who's our oldest now, when he was 10 months old, I picked him up from daycare and he was in the back seat. And we didn't have one of those mirrors at the time. So I couldn't really see what he was doing, you know, from, from the driver's side. But he was talking and babbling. And all of a sudden, like for 15, 20 seconds, I didn't hear anything. And I try to call his name. And usually he's usually pretty responsive, but no, no response. I just pulled the car over. I jumped out of the seat. I went to his side and at the, you know, he had silent gird. And next thing I know is he's just kind of spitting up in his own vomit. And the way he was positioned was a little bit like he was partially reclined. So okay. there was still, he was trying to get out vomit, but it also wasn't coming out the way it should. So it's right. kind of getting stuck in his mouth. And so I just unbuckled him, took him out. And uh, luckily, I was only about a mile away from home. So I actually had him on my lap. And mm-hmm. we drove very carefully through the back roads to get him home. But I think that was one of the moments where 
I guess I trusted that, that silence. Right. Right. Wow. I mean, yeah. And it's amazing how that instinct just kicks in at the right moment. And you're like, I I know exactly what I have to do right now. I need to pull over and see what's going on. Um, Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Let's not forget our quote of the day. Is there a quote that you live by? Oh, I don't have a favorite. I have two. That's okay. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, uh, one of the ones is given on the superhero dentist. It's to be your own superhero. And then the other one that goes hand in hand with that is live the life you love. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I mean, that's like exactly what all children should hear all the time, um, especially yeah. from their favorite dentist. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. It's now time for Mom Hall, when we share products we love. Is there a product that you are just loving right now that are a game changer for you or your family? Yeah, so it's funny. There, there are two of these as well. One's for a child, for children. The other ones are, are for parents. For the child, there's something that we just started using. It's called Kiddo Latte. It is a fortified plant-based powder and it's full of nutrients, just protein, iron, calcium, and like a full array of vitamins and minerals. We are plant-based, like my wife and I have been plant-based for the past few months. And mm-hmm. so this thing is like vegan, it's gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, naturally, like it's nut-free and it's organic. Our kids love it. So obviously it, nothing's better than obviously breast milk with with the health benefits that it provides and we were looking for the longest time to help supplement our kids you know with something else and then we came across this and we absolutely love it so it's uh, it's called kiddo latte um they mm-hmm. make them for infants and then they have one for uh 24 months and old and, and older up until eight years of age um, okay. so that, that'd be for my kids my mm-hmm. wife and i so coffee tea it's kind of been hard you know in terms of caffeine and then we came across matcha and we fell in love with matcha. So um, <laughs> the company called Pick makes these matcha sticks. They call it Sun Goddess Matcha. So mm-hmm. it's like ceremonial grade matcha. The biggest thing here with you know with, with matcha is that this company actually quadruple toxin screens for pesticides, heavy metals, toxic mold, and radioactive isotopes. So it's incredibly safe, and it comes from like the archipelago island in Japan. So it's like one of the most purest forms of matcha out there. And we've noticed that just the mental clarity that it gives us because it has a a component called L-theanine, I guess that that highest state of mindfulness that we get from it is just has been amazing. And it's kind of really helped us feel and kind of give us that kick in the morning. So it's kind of been our our, our go-to drink in the morning. So it's definitely something I recommend for all parents, especially with kids. You know how it is. Life is tough and late nights. Um, we found this uh, matcha just to work wonders for us. Yum. And this is something that can be, you know, consumed as a hot beverage, like a powder to add to hot water. Yeah. You can make it hot water. You can make a little like a, a smoothie out of it. Yeah. You, you can have it iced. Right. So yeah. Oh, this you, is you so cool. Yeah. It's your liking. Yeah, it. You can I'm, match it to your liking. I'm definitely going to try this because <laughs> I mean, I'm not a coffee person, but I definitely am a chai drinker and yeah, it, it would be nice to have another healthier alternative to to a chai. So that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So my, um, 
products that I want to share. Uh, there's two of them as well. Uh, mm-hmm. One is the Till You Crib Rail Cover Wrap. Um, long name, excellent product. So it's essentially a wrap for your crib railing. I know when I had my twins and they were teething like hardcore, like little beavers, they went at their crib railings and there were teeth marks all over it. And I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Like they they were like little chips in the wood, you know? And so it's definitely not safe. You know, you you don't want them gnawing at at their crib. So um, there's these wraps that are felt. They have these ties, you know, that you kind of tie after each kind of rail because they're felt when they, you know, just go to gnawing like Woody Woodpecker on their, on their (laughs) um, crib railing. They're good because they're getting the soft felt that they're chewing on. That is incredible. I'm going to, I'm going to share that with uh, the parents that, you know, bring their kids to my practice. That's sounds incredible. Yes. Yeah, I know. I was wondering, I just literally Googled it and I was like, how come there's nothing to wrap your crib railing with, you know, and then yeah. lo and behold, you know, there was some homegrown uh, company that came up with it and I was like, yep, yeah, there, there's something that exists. That's awesome. That's incredible. Um, That's great. That's really good to know. So my other product is uh, Risewell toothpaste and it's something that Dr. Shaw mentioned on this episode. And as a follow-up to this installment, I have an interview with Corey Estrada, who's the founder and she um, and the company have extended our mom sense community uh, promo code. So if you um, use mom sense 10, all caps at risewell.com, you receive 10% off. And, you know, much like what uh, Dr. Shaw was uh, sharing with us today, uh, Risewell is um, a truly all natural toothpaste. And because it has hydroxyapatite, HA, and xylitol, and silica, and calcium carbonate, a lot of ingredients that strengthen tooth enamel in a natural way, and again, naturally whiten your teeth, is incredible. And the toothpaste actually tastes minty, which I'm like obsessive about. I'm not you know, I, I never really liked uh, other flavors, you know, like fenugreek or neem, or I'm just not into those. This tastes like your, you know, um, true blue minty toothpaste, but knowing that it's good for you makes it that much better. Yeah. I, I will vouch for the fact that it tastes awesome because I've tried it and, uh, definitely, uh, I, I support, I second you on that. Yeah. So to wrap up, where can my audience find you, Dr. Shaw? Yeah, so I'm on Facebook, uh, Deep Shaw, but in terms of content or like, I think I'm doing most of my content and posting my findings, uh, it's on Instagram and it's at the superhero dentist. Uh, and so, like I said, feel free to reach out with any questions. Uh, my goal at the end of the day is just to add 110% value of whatever I can into your life. And then, like I said, we're all striving to become better versions of ourselves every day. Uh, and so if there's anything I can do to add value to that, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Thank you. Thank you. And for those who are local to you and can uh, are lucky enough to bring their kids to your practice, where are you located? Yeah, so I am in Exton, Pennsylvania, like a suburb uh, outside of Philadelphia. And so uh, I am in practice there three days a week. And then the other other couple of days, uh, I'm at the University of uh, Pennsylvania School of Dental Medicine uh, teaching academia. Wow, incredible! I I wish I could drive my kids to see <laughs> to see you every six months. Um, you are truly a standout in your 
field and the way that you have positioned yourself as a superhero and beacon to kids to be their own superheroes is um, really remarkable. So thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for those kind words. And uh, thank you very much for having me. This has been an incredible session. So thanks so much for everything that you do. Parents, now you can rest assured that your kids don't have to feel uh, intimidated or scared about going to the dentist because you can empower them, like Dr. Deep Shah, that they're superheroes and they've got this. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and got some great takeaways and even product recommendations from Dr. Shah. Next week, we are going to be doing a tete-a-tete with Corey Estrada, and she is the co-founder of RiseWell. And we're going to do a deep dive on um, the ingredients of this truly all-natural toothpaste. So stay tuned for that. You can write to me at thatstotalmomsense at gmail.com. Visit my website, thatstotalmomsense.com. And follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chada Gupta. Remember, always trust your mom sense and dad sense and spidey sense. (laughs) Stay strong, parents. See you next time. That's total mom sense.